Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV movie podcast, where we look at the many crazy films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in the many crazy categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we're going to look at Best Kiss 2007. How are you today, Ben? I'm doing really good. Um, We were talking a little before. Um, I didn't realize that I actually had watched um, a movie that took place like in this year, uh, 300, that did have a kiss in it. And like uh, maybe by the end I will decide sort of which one or whether any of the movies that we talk about maybe should have been bumped out in place of. But yeah, it's... I'll say there's definitely some stuff I think you could probably replace with a different kiss. Um, It's... Don't get me wrong, there's a couple good kisses this year. And then there's like a couple that are fine, and then there's one where I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, MTV, I thought we were past this. Like, Yeah, there's definitely one of these movies that like would feel at home maybe a little bit lower down in the timeline. But like, by this time, I feel like we've had like, like it is, it is too late. For your movie to be fumbling its comedy kiss. I, I think the expectation has been set and surpassed by so many movies at this point. That there's really no excuse. Yeah, yeah, that's what's wrong with the scene. It's unfunny. <laughs> Actually, if it was funny, maybe it wouldn't mind. Yeah, I, I, I've thought about that where it's like, maybe if like it could have worked a little better. If it was just, it just needs to be written like I, I think like a messed up joke, the the butt of the joke always needs to be like the bad person in it, and it it should never be like not that. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, you know, maybe if like Marlon Wayans looked at the camera after and went, "Well, that happened," then it would be like good. <laughs> honestly, that would have sold it for me. <laughs> Pull a little Daffy uh, Duck and Space Jam yeah, a new legacy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, luckily that one is going to come up last, so we have some time to figure out how we're going to discuss Little Man. Um, but in the meantime, can look a bit at the year. The 2007 MTV Movie Awards aired, or at least were recorded June 3rd, 2007. They were hosted by Sarah Silverman. Um, it was... Oh, okay. So this was the first show that was broadcast live. So in previous years, they'd been recording and then like airing it like a week later. And this one was kind of broadcast as they were filming it, like a real award show. Well, not real, but like one of the more like prestigious ones. A more traditional one, you know? Yeah. Um... Apparently, it was the subject of a rather vociferous, according to Wikipedia, ad campaign for Transformers, which was distributed by Paramount, a subsidiary of Viacom, which, of course, as everyone knows, owns MTV. So, a little bit of, like, I think this is a year where the people got complaints that this award show was maybe a bit too ad-heavy, uh, there was a category called Best Summer Movie You Haven't Seen Yet, which was, like, 
largely just films that were coming out like yeah i wonder if um how it's so strange because like i recently um uh, the date that we were recording this i think like a day ago like the um like like playstation's like state of play happened where like it is just kind of like an hour of just a big old ad for a bunch of video games that come out and like movies i guess don't really have that they only really have like the trailers that come out as they happen and then like award shows there's not really like big official heavily watched like oh we're gonna drop like a bunch of trailers on you so i guess like this is kind of the only place they can do it (laughs) yeah i mean some award shows like have become in recent years more for like trailers i know mtv movie awards this year was like oh coming up catch like this exclusive sneak peek of black widow and even and even like the oscars like during kind of commercials that was kind of where everyone got their first glimpse of the steven spielberg west side story remake that's gonna be coming out later this year um yeah i guess that there there's like that that but like that's really like attached to an award show but like i don't think to my knowledge there's any like thing where it's like hey we're just gonna release a bunch of trailers and you guys can watch them i don't think movies yeah. have that equivalent oh yeah i see what you're saying yeah, yeah they they don't have the here here's what's come coming up thing as much like, yeah well well, you know, I think you can still get some marketing. Um, this week was the as we we're recording this was the release of like the Matrix Resurrections like trailer, which had like a really cool campaign where they revived the old website, and you could click a a red pill or a blue pill, and depending on which one you clicked, clicked you would see different clips and a different voice. Um, yeah, well, oh, that's really cool. Based- <laughs> But at a different voice would like tell you and including a thing where they would literally tell you what time you were watching the trailer at. Oh, so, like, that's really, red, really cool. So the I red like pill would go, lot. Oh, you think it's Yeah. Yeah. So the red pill would be like, Oh, you think it's eleven nineteen, but you couldn't be more wrong. And the blue pill has like Neil Patrick Harris going, you know, it it, it is eleven like nineteen oh clock just changed. It is eleven twenty. That is like the reality. <laughs> or like I watched, uh, or when I watched the trailer, like at the turn of an hour, he's like, it is precisely 11 a.m. It's like. Uh, well, the blue pill should just like take you to like YouTube or Twitter or something. And you should just go about your day. Yeah, I was surprised if it's like. Trailer <laughs> if I'm to understand the matrix. <laughs> that, that is really cool. Um. As you may, have, yeah. as people may have learned the other couple episodes ago, I have not seen the first Matrix, only the second one. Uh, That's really funny. Um, but yeah, um, another thing I want to touch on before we move on is they did a couple like local categories. They did seem to do another student filmmaker one again. They did something called the Orbit Dirtiest Mouth Moment, which just seems to be like some sponsored sponsored thing that clerks to one i i don't know maybe it's just like a one for good swearing or something but then there's something called the mtv movie spoof award where as you kind of pointed out there like have no it's seem to be a bunch of little short films um of the five yeah. nominees two of them are like texas chainsaw <laughs> massacre spoofs one's like Texas Chainsaw Musical, and the other is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> The Rehab. And then yeah. there's a couple that are just, like, Tarantino references. Casino Royale yeah. with Cheese. 
And Quentin Tarantino's Little Miss Squirt Gun. Yeah. And um, the winner, of course, being United 300. Of... Yes. Um, <laughs> it's. I know September 11th has come up on the show maybe more than just than it should. Uh, we are recording this episode on September 11th. So I'm going to just read this thing now. United 300 is an American short film that parodies United 93 and 300. Um, if you do not know, United 93, of course, is about, like, is a movie about, like, the peep, the plane that was, like, hijacked. One of the planes that was hijacked on September 11th. And I believe the ones, like, the passengers that kind of fought back. I think it's the one... Might have been the one that, like, did not successfully, yeah, um, get hijacked. Like, but, it, like, it, everyone still died, but it kind of crashed into a field instead of whatever its target was going to be. Um, so, you know, tragedy, but United 300, which the filmmaker has said, was not making fun of a tragedy, but was a tribute to those who stood up against tyranny. It's about 300 pa- Spartans defending the passengers against German terrorists. Yeah, it's um, I'll need to give it a watch. Um, it yeah, se- it seems like you. It isn't possible, I think, to make something in like sounding, to make something sounding like it's in worse taste, especially when like like you said, like one of the first things that the person said about it was like defending it and being like, "Listen, we're not making fun of a tragedy." <laughs> Uh, I'm mad that I'm probably going to be watching this today. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's intriguing, honestly. It's like, it's just, I, you know, it's, it's hard. I guess it's like really hard to like get into the mindset of like, I really kind of want to see a documentary about um, spoof films. Cause I feel like they're so heavily tied to like the era they come out in. And like, I'm sure there's so many spoof films that like latched onto properties that we just don't remember or like, why what is this what the hell uh yeah i i think that's definitely the case especially for those like selberg and like or seaberg and the guys who do like epic movie and stuff where they literally just based it off popular trailers yeah and like some of it just like completely like yeah yeah and some of it just like completely like falls off and it's just like like oh remember wanted the movie where they curve the bullet yeah we have to yes we have to talk about that one in a couple weeks (laughs) it's just yeah i feel like um i think the movie was disaster movie in particular definitely put a lot of chips in that one becoming like a cult classic yeah it's i mean why did i feel people still talk about but yeah mainly for the curving the bullets thing but uh, maybe not as much in 2021. Um, yeah. You know what? It maybe uh, didn't stand uh, that test of we'll, time. We'll get to some wanna talk eventually. Uh, oh, man. I'm just looking. 2009 is the second six movie nomination episode. And it's all this, like, it's like Twilight and High School Musical 3 and Slumdog Millionaire and Wanted and Milk and, like, I Love You, Man. Um, spoilers for people who, like, usually just wait till I just... And, till i or ben announced this on like the cut coming on but like it's it's gonna be a huge one like oh yeah that's it's probably be, just yeah. a whole episode that's just definitely about long, about long, musical long. Three. Um, <laughs> yeah oh, i can't wait. that's the only one i haven't seen so i can't wait to watch it i don't know any of the songs from it either 
So that'll be fun. Oh man, um, yeah, we, I have a lot of thoughts, but <laughs> this week uh, we should probably get to the film. So, <laughs> um, for Best Kiss 2007, the nominees are Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, The Holiday, Columbus Short and Megan Good, Stomp the Yard, Mark Wahlberg and Elizabeth Banks, Invincible, Marlon Wayans and Brittany Daniel, Little Man. And the winner, Will Ferrell and Sasha B. Cohen, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, man. Um, I, I, like, I watched, um, I usually watch, like, the winner last, um, so I was watching this kind of last, and, like, I remember I started, I, like, booted it up, and I was like, oh, man, like, this, like, isn't as funny as I remember, but it definitely, like, picks up after, like, the first, like, 10, 20 minutes, I would say. Um, and it grows into, like, a movie that, like, oh, I remember why I found this, like, so funny. And, like, why this is so funny later on. Yeah, because it is. It's funny, because I watch this, I'm like, man, this is exactly as funny as I remember. Oh, I definitely came around by the end. I think, like, the beginning, I was like, oh, man, like, uh, this isn't, like, this isn't as funny as I remember. But it definitely, like, won me over by the end, 100%. Yeah, uh, this is, I think, with the caveat that I've only seen Set Brothers once and should probably see it again... This is, like, my second favorite, I think, Adam McKay film next to The Other Guys, which comes out a couple years later. Um, he's a filmmaker, I think. Actually, he's only made one movie I don't like, um, but would be Vice, but I have hopes for his new one that's coming out this year. Yeah, so this is, like, a pretty iconic movie. But like, there's, like, a lot of, like, iconic lines from it. Um yeah and i guess just uh for anyone that doesn't know it's just like it's like a sort of racing comedy movie starring like will ferrell as like this like kind of like redneck nascar driver yeah it's it's a film that's kind of um in the days before adam mckay was just like oh i'm gonna like make a film that's like explicitly just here's dick shaney and here's like a bunch of stuff you already know that i'm gonna act like it's some big revelation and be smug about it used to be kind of subtle with his satire, so this is um, a more cut, what I would consider a more cutting look at George Bush's America. It was kind of in the time, and the sort of America exceptionalism, if you're not first, you're last culture, um, which is a, well, it's a funny line, <laughs> but also one that later on, this film falls into something that, it's a, it's a, something I've seen come up in a couple pro. How I Met Your Mother being the only notable example where a character, like, latches onto, like, a piece of advice from, like, his missing father, and later when he, like, repeats it back to the father, they're always like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Or, no, that's bad advice. Like, I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. I was high. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's such a funny, it's such a funny line later on where, like, he, re he, like, says that back to his father, and his father's like, What? That doesn't make any sense. You could be, you could be second, you could be third, fourth, hell, even fifth. <laughs> He's like, yeah, there's a lot of places out there. Like it's, yeah, um, <laughs> oh, it's really, really good. Film. It's funny because yeah, it's like pretty simple, but also it's a film where it's weirdly paced. Where like it's kind of you're looking at sort of the rise and fall, and then rise again of Will Will Ferrell's character, but the fall happens like, like. Not even, like, in the halfway mark of the film. Oh, yeah, and, it happens super early on. And, like, there's a lot of, like, 
the movie will just happily take its time spending it around in like just little sections and going on tangents and it's something that in a lesser film would maybe annoy me but this film is just so funny and packed with so many bits like <laughs> for instance there's yeah. a section where they spend multiple minutes just in a hospital where will ferrell's had an accident and is psychosomatically paralyzed where he can walk but he doesn't think he can and they spend just a lot of time with his friends trying to like help him through through it which culminates in them trying to explain to him that he's not paralyzed like him shouting that oh he hopes one day they'll have children who get paralyzed and then they can know what it's like his pit crew chief just screaming and, and uh, the great Michael Clark Duncan just, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. And then just escalating to Ricky Bobby, stabbing himself in the leg with a knife to prove he's paralyzed and then just um, being in pain. And it takes like five minutes of the movie and it doesn't move like the plot along in any way, but it's just so funny the whole yeah, time. Yeah, there's a part. So when he stabs his knife into the leg, um, later on, or not later on, but like in that scene, they put like another knife in there to try and like jam it out. It's hilarious. It is so funny. Um, another bit that I really, really like is like when they're on the phone. When um, so at some point in the movie, uh, Will Ferrell like he has his like fall, and then um, Wreck It Ralph, I think is that guy. Um, yeah, John C. Riley. Yeah. Um, he like sort of takes his spot. And, like, not only does he take his spot as, like, he's, like, the guy coming in first, he's the guy with all the sponsor, he also just takes his wife. Um, and, like, there's a point where, like, he's calling him on the phone, and, like, they keep on, like, like broing out, they keep on, like, have, being, like, friends, but then Will Ferrell has to be like, wait a minute, no, like, you took everything from me, you're in my house right now, I'm not gonna be friends with you. <laughs> He's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, exactly. And then, like, two seconds later, he's like, he's like, oh, you want to get Notches watch the game? And Will Ferrell's like, oh, yeah, that would actually be awesome. Wait, never mind. What, what am I talking about? I hate you. And he's like, okay, man, I'll I'll call you later. He's like, oh, I call you later. Love you, bud. And then he hangs up. Yeah. It's also really good. Um, There's a bit. Sasha B. Cohen, like, what? don't know if you can even talk much about the talk of the film but the thrust is he is a formula one racer who is gone into nascar um eventually we learn with the hopes that he will be defeated by someone worthy who, so he can retire and go home to his husband gregory but like it's definitely a bit where like he's like a french frenchman and who's this like threat to um the kind of nascar culture that's been built up and it's a classy thing and there's a thing where he's having a confrontation with Ricky Bobby, and he's physically overpowering him, and it's essentially saying, he's like, um, say you love, like, crepes or something, or I'm gonna, like, break your arm. And then Ricky Bobby, he's like, I don't know what crepes are. Then it's explained, he's like, oh, wait, I actually do really like those. But he refuses to say it and lets him <laughs> break his arm. And yeah, then Sasha Baron Cohen's character is even like, how would you just say I like like little fluffy thin pancakes and then he's talking to John C. Riley and he's like that sounds like a pretty good compromise honestly and he's like yeah it's not bad not screw it break my arm yeah like it's he gives him like out after out to like avoid breaking his arm 
Like, it's a completely unnecessary. And again, this speaks to, like, the thing of this movie of, like, going through it because he doesn't want to compromise on, like, America being less than number one. Yeah, it is, um, it is, like, a really, really good, like, kind of, yeah, like, satire on this, like, American exceptionalism. It's really, really funny. Yeah, and then there's a bit... Oh, yeah, this was actually one of the first movies I saw in theaters kind of by myself without parental supervision. Um, but I think it's the third one, actually, because I saw Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on my own, and then Disney's Chicken Little with Pass Vesquez Alum Zach Braff on my own, and then this was the third one. So really just moving away up from, like, family films to kind of, like, raunchy comedy there. Um, but... But, but the one bit I remember from, like, all the trailers for this was the part after he crashes and he runs around screaming, I'm on fire. It was on all the trailers, and it's still... And despite being, like, overused to, like, death and all the things, and he's not actually on fire. He just runs around shouting, like, Save me, Oprah! Like, <laughs> it's still really funny, even though, like, I've seen that a hundred times. It's like, a really, really good bit. You don't see Riley runs over to help put him out from the... Inv- He's like, I'll save you from the invisible flames. Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> uh, also, like, uh, I don't know, another, like, really good, um, like, kind of subtle joke is that, like, is there's, like, the, there's, like, the owner of the sponsors and his wife, and they're just in, like, a really, like, unhappy marriage? Oh, yeah, the team owner played by, like, <laughs> Red Gunberg, who's really good at just playing, like, a real twerk. Um, yeah, just, their their interactions like there's not a lot of them, but like I laughed at everyone. Yeah. Also, saying that he's like effectively the closest thing the film has to an antagonist, but like his whole like beef of Ricky Bobby is just stop crashing all the cars, trying to like win all the time, and like be be, be like more professional at this. Like it's 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 not like unreasonable oh no it's it's a really good it's a really good foil to like ricky bobby's like uh like irrationalism and like (laughs) and just like uh like full heartiness yeah um then of course there's the dinner table scene where he's like praying to like baby jesus and his yeah and his like father-in-law for like his well it's yeah his wife current his then wife's like father it just gets mad just like what why do you keep praying like baby jesus like he, he grew up he had like a beard he's like well you know i like to think you can just pray to like whatever version of jesus you want and uh, it's it's one of those things that reminded me like i think why i got annoyed by like vice and stuff in that adam mckay like when he puts his mind to it and like works with will ferrell so it just makes some of the funniest, like, scene, can, just some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see in, like, a movie, including... Oh, yeah. It's just simple stuff like this, like... Yeah, it's like, uh, dear, like, four and a half pound tiny baby Jesus with your tiny baby hands. Yeah, the description really sells the yeah, jokes. Yeah, and he keeps on going back to it. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the grandpa just chiming in like, he had a beard. Oh, it's so good. 
this movie's full of, of, of great, super funny bits that hold up like uh, like a, a decade and a half later. Yeah, that's the thing about this film. It's a film where you could easily go, oh, is this going to be something that didn't age that well? But it turns out it aged really well. Like, it's a... Oh yeah, it, it aged yeah. super duper good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, even jokes related to, like, Sasha B. Cohen's character being gay is never on like cohen himself it's always just on like the homophobia of like the kind of nascar culture around him like yeah it's, it's a joke's always like um like at the expense of like like uncomfortable people like being uncomfortable with him it's never like about like him like everything about him is like really like it's it's like just tasteful surprisingly from like 2007 like his husband andy richter um, it's just like a, a world-class German shepherd trainer. This is just, that's like a throwaway line in like one scene where he's like feeding two treats to dogs. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. And so this scene, like plot, like, again, there's not much to the plot. It's Ricky Bobby, like his, when he was a kid, kid his dad like kind of barged into his school and then was like leaving for good, but essentially told him, if you're not first, you're last, like remember that. Then he decides to keep going fast. He eventually becomes like a top NASCAR driver who either always gets first place or will wreck his car trying to get first place. John C. Riley's his pal who always gets second place, often by like helping slingshot him ahead of other cars in their classic shake and bake move. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is also their, their nickname and yeah. Um, when Sasha B. Cohen comes into like the scene as this competitive driver, Rookie Bobby gets into a crash after he insists on on racing after he gets his arm broken in an again as we said something he could have avoided. Um, the crash kind of like traumatizes him. He's, he can no longer go. There's a bit where like he is freaking out about how fast he's going and his car is just inching along a track like it's. It's really good. Um, his wife leaves him for John C. Riley. He and his unruly sons move in with like his mother. His dad comes back and then leaves again, but he eventually learns how to be fast again and how to race for his own enjoyment of the game and not with this desire to like win. And then it gets to the climactic final race, which pits him and Sasha B. Cohen and John C. Riley like ag- against each other. Um, I believe it. The race is called like Talladega, right? Like, yep, that is like the final, the, the final race. From? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. That's uh, it's like the uh, the Talladega. I think it's like the Talladega three hundred or something. But it is, yeah, it is called the. It is named for the titular title. Yeah, which leads to um, almost every car in Talladega like gets into a crazy crash after like he, he and John C. Riley like make amends and. Like, Jonesy really like, slingshots them in, and they take out, like... Oh, yeah, because there's also, like, a fourth guy who's driving Ricky Bobby's old car, the Wonder Bread car. And in trying to, like, take that guy out, they take out almost every other car, except for, like, Ricky and Sa- and Sasha B's ca- yeah, character. But then both of them crash, too, and it gets to a thing where they both, like, climb out of their... Where, they're both kind of just lying there in their cars. 
And then they both <laughs> climb out and they look at each other. And Mariah Carey's We Belong Together whoa, starts whoa, whoa. playing. And they have Mariah, a foot race Mariah. to the finish line. Wait. Sorry, you cut out for a second. Did you correct yourself and make sure to say Pat Benatar's We Belong? Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> look, I took a guess at it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, am, I am a huge uh, Pat Benatar fan, and so is my dad. Um, but no, like this scene is like imprinted on my brain just because it's so it's so awesome. Yeah, and they have a race like the they have a race like the finish line that Ricky Bobby barely wins, and then it's it's also funny because like there's announcers who look in and of course immediately explain that both of them are actually disqualified because they climbed out of their vehicles. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then this this scene like yeah ricky bobby like wins by like a hand um and then this scene sort of like um sort of ends with like them sort of like uh or sasha baron cohen's character being like like i'm i'm just happy you finally yeah exactly and he <laughs> sasha like raises his hand and will Ferrell's character goes like i will never shake your hand but I will give you this. And then they have this kiss while we belong, like, fades back in. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> it's a call out to their earlier confrontation where he's like, I will go away forever if you just kiss if you just kiss me. And Ricky's like, nope, nope, not gonna do it. Um, oh, yeah. There's also, like, he does get into a romance uh, with a, Amy it's Adams. It's an absolutely lovely part. Yeah, but, like, the kiss, oh, like, yeah. you know, it... Amy Adams stuff is good, but like the the Sasha Barry Sasha B stuff is where the juice is. Exactly. Yeah. If I could make like one complaint about the movie is that like either like yeah that like romantic subplot should have been like given more time or it should have just been like cut out entirely because I feel like it's like not it's like not the best part of the movie honestly it's like kind of it's like it doesn't show up until literally like I want to say like halfway through. And it doesn't really, it doesn't super go anywhere. It's just sort of like a nice thing on like the end of like, hey, like, not only does he got his new life back, but he's got a new girl as well. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's he's built his life. He has like a more healthy, yeah, just yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're looking things, um, but yeah, this kiss, it's not gonna lie, like it's even before like his other films, and you know, not to tip hands, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be hard to beat this one. Um, it's. Yeah, it's the rare same-sex comedy kiss of the MTV Movie Awards that's actually funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it's funny, it's, like, tasteful, it's, like, one of, like, the most, like, like epic parts of the movie. It feels, like, sweeping. It's really, really fun. It, like... Yeah, and then this also has, like, a pretty uh, famous acceptance speech where Will Ferrell gets in and, like, well, they're both there. And then he's like, Will Ferrell's like, oh yeah, I'd like to thank, and then he just listens to his, like, stu- it's like, oh yeah, uh, NASCAR, you know, the, like, the studio, all that, and then it's like, uh, he's like, yeah, Sa- Sasha, you want to say anything? He's like, hello, Will, he's like, you haven't returned my calls since our kiss. He's like, <laughs> uh, he's like, it was just, it's like, you know, that was just for the movie, you know, it didn't mean anything, he's like, he's like you kissed me five times, he's like, those were takes, he's like, you asked me to move in with you. He's like, I said if you were ever in the neighborhood, stop by for like a cup of coffee with me and my wife. He's like, oh, you have a wife? He's like, yeah, I have a wife. He's like, 
And he's like, and you kiss me five times? And then he slaps Will Ferrell. <laughs> and then he, like, goes in. To, he's like, sorry, sorry. And he goes in, like, close. He's like, no, he's like, I'm not going to kiss you. I just want to, like, look at it. But then they do start, like, kissing. And they fall, roll down onto the floor and start rolling around. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, that is fantastic. It's, it's in the best kiss winners compilation, but it's really funny. And also it should be noted, this movie came out like a few months before Borat. And like the acceptance speech was definitely after Borat. So this is kind of so because when I was watching, I'm like, why wasn't the big buzz at the time being, oh yeah, Borat's in this, but now I'm like, oh, because it was before he actually did Borat. Yeah. And, yeah, those are. I think I don't have anything else to say about uh, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, or The Kiss. They're both really, really good. We'll uh, we'll come back to them around at the end when we give our rating. But I don't think I have anything left to say. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll just just say I believe this is the last film we cover that has Michael Clark Duncan in it again. I miss him. He's like the he's the crew chief. He's really funny. Like. Don't you put that evil on me? The way he just screams it is one of the funniest. There's bits. also like uh, when when Will Ferrell's like in a coma. There's also like there's like a montage of like everyone that comes to visit him, and he's just like it's like a really like it's like supposed to be like kind of funny, but it's just a really sweet scene where he's just reading him a book. Um, I was trying to figure out which book it was, but I couldn't figure it out. I thought I, I thought I knew that book, and now I can't remember. I thought it yet. was I thought it was Little Women. I, I thought, that was like my guess. I used all my like deductive reasonings, but like the the author on like the book title didn't match up. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, try. I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. Um. Apparently, Adam McKay, the director, plays the driver that Bobby kind of replaces at the beginning of the film. Um and. Sorry, that was just me looking, but oh, last cool. bit I want to men- mention and is there's a bit before the final race where they tell him that uh, one of the crew pit crew members died in an accident while they were getting the car ready, but then oh, yeah. the member immediately shows up. <laughs> oh yeah, and then he's like, "What?" He's like, "We just we were trying to motivate you." Yeah, like, it's um, it's one of two um thirty rock reps on this list. Um, Jack McBriar. Yeah, Breyer. Jack McBrayer. Yeah, it's oh that bit is so funny. They they're like going like, we have some bad news. Like there was a fire last night and he died. <laughs> and he starts like he starts like peering over the corner and Will Ferrell sees him and they're like, we're sorry, we're just trying to give you some motivation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's, it's a really good bit. Um, yeah, I think that's. All there is to say about about this for now, so we can move on to the holiday. Yeah, I um I thoroughly enjoyed the holiday. I thought I wouldn't. I thought um I was going to get like another really boring kind of like Hallmark uh, Christmas movie, but I got a not so boring, um, pretty fun Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this film is made by Nancy Myers, who knows how to make the good good films, as as indicated by The Parent Trap, which also is she also knows how to make like she makes often just makes really long movies. So like this film maybe does not need to be over two hours long, but hey, I th- but yeah, I I was really charmed by this film. Um, 
it's I'll say there's there's stuff where like I think of the four kind of key performers, um, Jack Black maybe is not as strong as the uh, other ones in this. Yeah, like, love Jack Black. It's like he's just kind of there, but yeah, I I've not seen like many. I don't think I've seen any. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I've seen many um, of like Jack Black in like a more like serious kind of like played down role. Um, I'm sure it can do it well, and I'm sure I, I, you have seen like a movie like that. But like usually when I'm seeing Jack Black, it's like usually playing off like his really high energy and charisma. Whereas like this one, he doesn't he doesn't do a super great job playing this more like laid back sort of like quirky kind of funny guy yeah no no sorry now i'm just looking trying to see if there's any more like serious thing I, i've seen jack black in because but also like he he does largely just do kind of like the comedies like he's not like one of those comedy people who have tried to uh you know, branch out that much. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... And, you know, I can respect that. Um, you know, people like uh, like Jim Carrey will, like, have, like, a a fluctuating of, like, you know, um, you know, like, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and then Ace Ventura 2. Whereas Jack Black, I feel like, is on, like, a pretty steady path um, with his highest moment clearly being Gulliver's Travels. Um, but like, yeah, I think he's like, I think he's at his best in stuff like, um, I need to watch it again, but like when I did watch it, I absolutely adored it. It was like the pick of destiny, the tenacious T movie. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, uh, we should watch it together. Like I, I, I don't remember much of it, but I do remember there's like, a, uh, there's like a scene where like, he's like hanging out with Sasquatch and it's hilarious. That sounds good. I'll say he has he has some like some drama comedies and stuff, but like, yeah, it is. Well, or like fan, fan, fantasy films, he'll do like small roles in those sometimes. But um, oh wait, I know a performance that he's kind. That's like a dramatic film that I think he's kind of great in, and that is King Kong two thousand five. Um, oh yeah, I think he does do a good job in that. Yeah, he, yeah, he does, yeah, that is, like, he's just, I'm like, I know there is something. Yeah, like, there had to be, like, there's no way, he, he must be, like, good at that. Yeah, no, he's, he's so good at that, but, um, yeah, but the other people in this are, like, uh, just delightful. It's, you know, it's a murderer's row of, like, kind of past nominees, sort of, in, or, actually, no, wait, no, Jude Law, I may be confusing with someone else. No, wait, no, he was Sky Captain. Right. Um, yeah, so Sky Captain himself, Jude Law, and Cameron Diaz, who's been here around a couple times, are, like, the ma- main kisses. But then, like, the fourth kind of major character is Kate Winslet from Titanic, so. Ah, that's really cool. I knew I recognized them from somewhere. Yeah. I thought she was super old now. Or did that movie lie to me? <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I think it was a little movie magic band. <laughs> so I realized you were just talking, like, 
for what Jack Black's dramatic turn turns. This film is still like a comedy. Oh yeah, sir. I, I meant more just like um, when Jack Black is playing a more like toned down character versus like he's usually he's playing like a really like exaggerated, energetic character or or a character in like a really bizarre um, or like exaggerated setting. But I think yeah, I think his character in this is probably is probably pretty close to like the the character in Gulliver's Travels where like d- despite Gulliver's Travels being like insane, he's probably like the most toned down in that movie. I do not think you were serious about Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> but I'm glad you were. Um... I uh, I remember because I need to watch it again. I think I watched like the first like ten minutes of it, then I stopped. Um, but like, yeah, I don't think that movie's good. Um, at least I don't remember it being good. Also, an interesting thing is this film has both uh, Rufus Sewell and Shannon Sossaman from A Knight's Tale, but they don't share a scene together. Oh. They kind of just have bit roles. <laughs> oh, well, like, oh, man. Yeah, like Rufus is like kind of Kate Winslet's ex-boyfriend, Jasper, and then, Shan- and then Shannon is like this... Basically, Jack Black is dating her for a bit but yeah um this movie i was like i went into this probably with like the like lowest expectations because i didn't know anything i usually don't know much about these movies before i see them and like i guess kind of not in the same exact way but like very similar to like a girl's next door like the first like couple minutes i was like okay like better better get ready for like a uh for like 136 minutes of like you know like oh man like the two people are gonna fall in love in a cabin but it ended up being like really really charming like i don't think it um i don't think concept wise um it was all that interesting beyond like the initial like all they're switching lives but like once that happens it kind of becomes like two pretty standard like love movies or kind of love movies like paralleling each other i would say that um uh, Kate Win- Winslet's story is more about her relationship with um, uh, Ellie uh, Ellie Wallach, um, character Arthur uh, e- e- Eli Wallach. Eli, I think, yeah. thank you. Um, character um, Arthur Abbott. Like yeah, this yeah, this famous like screenwriter type who. He's the one who said, add kid to here's looking at you, kid, which it's like a silly line. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If I, if I were to, you know, uh, break glass in, in case of um, unnecessary criticism towards this movie, I feel like Kate Winslet's story like could have been like one of like, oh, maybe I don't need to find a relationship with anybody. And like, or like maybe like a, like a, uh. I can, I'm pretty good on my own because, like, a lot of her story and, like, a lot of her character was, like, sort of her dependence on someone else. And, like, I think it's nice that she ends up with Jack Black, but, like, if I were to, like, make any change to the movie, it would be that. Because I think her scenes and, like, her relationship with, um, with, uh, with Eli is just so much more, like, interesting and, like, fun to watch than, like, any of the scenes with her and Jack Black. Yeah, like, I would agree that kind of, yeah, the stuff of her and, like, yeah, kind of the Arthur character is sort of where, yeah, where like the sort of juice of that storyline is, and it's it's also interesting, though maybe that's partly because so there was kind of variety between the two different stories because and you know the the Diaz 
Law thing is a bit more of a standard romance, at least up to the point where we learn that Jude Law's character is a single dad, which I think is where that story really takes like an interesting turn. Um, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I think that's like such a neat, like cool little addition. Um, also, I guess like a little note is that like Cameron Diaz character. Um, like edits movie trailers so like every once in a while in the movie it'll just sort of like start having there start being like a movie trailer narrator like saying a bunch of stuff and like she can hear it so like it's like her it's like her internal monologue um also like a lot of characters in this movie are seem to work on movies it's like um yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those i don't know if you've seen the um, there's like a I saw a tweet where it was like <laughs> when the when the character that a writer is writing is also a writer and it's just a bunch of like pictures of like that gag in movies where it's like the person next to the photo of like them in the exact pose they're in. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. It's it is like a film, especially well. I mean, yeah, because the idea is Kate Winslet comes from the Hollywood war, not Kate Winslet. Uh, Cameron Diaz comes from like the. That's sort of world of, like, Hollywood production and stuff. And then when she... Because the premise of the movie is she and Winslet both kind of go through breakups. And then just through the internet, like, they basically both sort of rent the other one in their, like, house for a couple weeks over the Christmas holidays. And uh, shenanigans ensue. But, yeah, like... The, like, Winslet storyline is just full of, like, kind of Hollywood stuff. Like, Jack Black is, like, a composer for for stuff. And, like, Cameron Diaz's ex-boyfriend also is, like, a composer type guy. Uh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman has a brief cameo in the film that apparently was not planned. It's they were shooting a scene in a blockbuster. And Dustin Hoffman saw lights and literally just came in. And he knew the, the like the director, and so like she just scripted a short scene where he could like show up while Jack Black <laughs> was talking about the graduate score. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> oh yeah, John Krasinski is briefly in this film. Office Jim himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. And they said so, yeah, like, 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 "Oh, he's gonna be in a lot of this," and then he's just kind of in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's barely in it at all. Yeah. I guess, like, sort of, like, um... Yeah, the whole premise of this movie is that, like, um... Cameron Diaz, like, recently got out of a breakup and, like, wants to take a vacation. And, like, Kate Wins Winslet is, like, not really out of a breakup. She's been, like, out of a breakup with, like, a guy for a pretty long time. But, like, they're still having this, like, really, like... Um... I guess, like, kind of borderline manipulative relationship where, like, he keeps on, like, stringing her along a little bit. Um, and, like, she, um, so she, like, has, like, her house up for, like, sort of, like, a B&E type situation, and they end up, like, messaging each other, like, by happenstance, like, because Cameron Diaz is looking for a place to stay, and, like, Kate Winslet's character is, like, you can stay at my house, but on one condition, like, we have to, like, trade lives for two weeks, and that's sort of, like, the, the inciting, sort of, like, that's sort of the beginning of these two stories. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that's kind of the setup. Yeah, and then it kind of just follows uh, Kate Win Winslet as she sort of encounters this older screenwriter, Arthur, and kind of just helps him home, and 
gets kind of entangled with him and Jack, Jack Black and and such and convinces him to be like the keynote speaker at this big gala and kind of just helps him out because he struggles with his walking and basically the, the goal and what's really like the sweet moment in the story is that she does eventually get to the point where he's able to walk onto the stage like without his walker and without like support um oh yeah like this that is like then... such a triumphant scene like um if this were like a list of like um old people triumph and not kisses this would have won by a landslide still holding true to the metric of like the more old people you put in your movie the better it is yeah hey where's the best old people triumph award on tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Oh yeah, this is also going back to the MTV Movie Awards for a second. I forgot. 2007 is like the first year that doesn't have Joel Gallen, director of Not Another Teen Movie, producing it. So we're into the yeah. So we're we're into like a intro, wild era now for this award show. <laughs> kind of. Well, not not really, but um, I digress. <laughs> And then the Diaz story is she goes, yeah, she goes to like a man, the character, her character Iris goes in the character Amanda's house, but then kind of reg- she she really sort of regrets it, um, or like and is planning to like just kind of go home right, right away, but Jude Law, who is a book editor, who's like her brother, like kind of drops by, because. Kate Winslet has not told her that she's renting her house out for a week and he has a habit of dropping by whenever he drinks too much. So he has to spend the night and then suddenly, like, he... Yeah, he kisses her. I, I don't think this is the one that got, like, nominated, at least... Or, or maybe it was, like... I'm trying to think if there was a couple, a couple, but... And they hook up because she expects, oh, he's not going to see her again, but... Or they're not going to... But surprise, surprise, they see each other again. Like, it's... Like, she decides to stay, and then they kind of get involved, and she learns about, like, his family, and it's... It's him trying to figure out, because they're going to go back eventually, and, like, they start to worry it's too complicated, that, like, what kind of future are they going to have if it's long distance, especially when there's kids involved. And I think that's a good reason to have the kids because it does sort of introduce the kind of stakes to it where it's not as simple as, oh, yeah, they kiss and everything's fine. Like, if they get together, there's going to be, like, real commitment involved. Yeah, like, their whole so, like, story is sort of like this, um, this sort of, like, slow burn, sort of, like, falling in love with each other kind of really slowly where, like, I think they, like, yeah, have, like, very, like, they're really, like, passionate near the beginning, but, like, they both start to, like, kind of second-guess themselves about, like, oh, like, what what is, like, our actual future together? Yeah, and honestly, this is a question that they don't really answer by the end of the film other than, well, they agree they're gonna, like, try and make a long-distance relationship work, but then also the kind of end of this thing is she's going back to the airport but then breaks down crying and then decides to just stay longer for like New Year's Eve. Yeah. And then 
At which point Jack Black and Winslet kind of join them and they all get to hang out together. And it's like a nice ending. Yeah, it's a really, really sweet ending. Um, I don't know, again, this this is kind of similar to The Notebook. Has like a lot of kisses in it. And like, I'm assuming it's like the first one would be like the kiss being up for the chopping block today. Yeah, I yeah I think so. Like the one, yeah, before like kind of fuck up for the first yeah. time. Unless it's... it's a really, really sweet kiss. I, I think it's... um. It's going to be really tough to have, like, a really, like, impactful kiss when, like, you're juggling, like, I honestly, like, almost, like, three-ish storylines in one movie. Because um, you have, like, the two romance interests and then, like, the, the the old guy. Yeah, but I think they, like, make it work really well. Like, yeah, I, I still think it, like, I think, um, I'm not sure. This is the, the first one I watched, so it's, like, the farthest back in my memory. But, like, I don't remember if they ever had, like... I guess it's kind of hard to have, like, once you have, like, your first kiss, it's kind of really hard to have, like, a really good, like, um, like, passionate, like, like, oh, you're back kiss. I don't think they even have one. I think they just, she, they're just kind of, she, like, comes back and she goes, like, I kind of, I want to stay for, like, New Year's and then they end up, like, all staying together. I don't think there's ever, like, a, a castaway-esque, like, big romantic enthralling kiss in this one. I think it's just a very, like, little bit understated subtle one um right there like on their first like meetup yeah yeah i think i think you're right about that like it's been a couple weeks since i've seen this one as well but oh um having just googled the the holiday kiss into youtube i'll say the thumbnail for cameron diaz return scene does have them look like they're about to kiss but anyways like they have good chemistry and i think all the kisses like work um Oh, yeah, yeah and absolutely. there's definitely, a, like, a, another thumbnail scene where, like, they're kissing outside, like, it's, again, it, it's hard to say, it's, this is where I'm like, man, I wish I had ac- access every week to, like, the scenes, like, get nominated, but, you know what, like, this romance is really sweet, and the kisses reflect that, like. Yeah, absolutely, 100%, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about the holiday. Other than, yeah, I was very, very pleasantly surprised um, in a year where, like, I would, I only really had, I've seen, I guess, two of the movies. Um, I saw, I've seen Little Man and Talladega Nights. So, like, I kind of didn't know what to expect going into this movie. I think it had every, like, all of my mental faculties were, like, against it right from the start where I'm like, oh, this is, like, a really long movie. It's another, like... Why can't I watch this at three times? Exactly. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like, it's a, it's a holiday Christmas romance, like Electro. We get it. We've seen this before. But it ended up being, like, a really, like, interesting movie that, like, um, could have... Ha- I, I feel like, again, yeah, if I were to make my one little change, it would have been um, maybe uh, Kate Winslet's... Um, like story more about being like about being like maybe independence and like maybe her sort of independence could like parallel um uh Eli's as well like sort of how he's learning to like to walk on his own without a walker maybe she could learn to like live without needing to be in like a relationship with somebody I if I, if I were to make this movie yeah in our classic recurring segment if Ben were to make this movie <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. 
Listen, I, I stand by the belief that um, if you can't provide like an alternative, your criticism is n- is not as strong. I would say I always whenever I find like something that's like bugging me about a movie, I always try to think about like okay, what well, what would I change or like what would make it better? And like I think that's like really good because it gives you like perspective. Because sometimes there's like movies where like I think this like happens a lot with like with like really high expectation movies that kind of flop. Where like I kind of look at it and go like, oh man, like. I don't think I could have done better. I don't think there's anything that could have saved this. Yeah, I, I'll say that's something I do too. And sometimes where I'm like, oh yeah, I know what the fix for this movie is. But you know, also, also then sometimes I'm like, eh, you know, it is what it is. Like, because so, sometimes I think there are people who get too hung up on, like, they dislike a movie because it's not what they imagine, like, the ideal version of, of it is, which... You know, I think sometimes it's like valid, and sometimes it's oh no, you just wanted a different movie. Than, yeah, ex- like, what you exactly, got. and like that. That's also like a really good like. Whenever I'm going through like the process of this, I always try to think like usually I'll reach a certain point where like okay, I've changed enough about it where like I just don't think I like this movie. <laughs> but like I think the holiday is like a special case where like I enjoyed so much of it, and like honestly, on its face, I really enjoyed this movie. But like if I wanted to, what would take this movie from being like a um from being a I'm trying to think of like a good like from being like a teaching Miss Tingle to like how to make an American quilt level. If you wanted to move it from like there to there, that would be like the changes you would make. Um, I'll say all the acting in this film is much better than teaching Mrs. Tingle. <laughs> Maybe I would say everyone except for Mrs. Tingle herself. <laughs> oh yes. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I think on that note, we can probably move on to um, Stomp the Yard, which... Yeah, Stomp the Yard, starring, for a brief time, Chris Brown. Um, yeah, Stomp the Yard. Um, I think we, we were messaging each other about it, and I think I had this exact same thought, um, and you, I think you summed it up perfectly, we're like what if drumline was just like a little bit worse but still okay um, and i can't really think of like a better way to describe it yeah like it's it's like not this exact same film as drumline but it is like kind of just a guy with a chip on his shoulder goes to like a fancy university and gets into like a sport for something you would not consider in this case stepping yeah which i guess is a big sorority thing it's like it's like a form or fraternity thing it seems like like a form of like dancing i will say to this movie's credit um i don't know how long ago you watched it but like the final scene where he does like the move where like he like glides on like the back of his neck or something or like on the top of his head when he does that that move way more signified like okay this team won way more than whatever they did at the end of Drumline, where I was like, okay, um, I guess you won because you went last. Um, this one definitely had, to its credit, uh, a way more like definitive, like, okay, yeah, that move, that's a winner's move right there. That's a, a winner's stomp move. Yeah. I'll also say the, like, the female lead in this film, like, Megan Good feels... Like, a bit more of a character than, like, the drumline. Yeah, and, like, maybe, okay, maybe you could help me out here. Because, like, 
Um, I do agree with that, that she definitely did better. But, like, the romance in this movie, and maybe this was, like, intentional, because I think it does pay off in a little way later, but, like, it feels way more, like, stilted and, like, a little more robotic, where, like, every conversation they have feels like like a high school play trying to show two characters like each other. But, like, there is a scene later where, um, where, uh, um, second, uh, Columbus's character, like, shows very, like, cries for, like, the first time in the movie and shows, like, a lot of, like, emotional vulnerability. And I wonder if that's what they were going for with it. Because, like, his initial interactions with, um, with Megan Good are, like, are, like, really, like, weird and, like, kind of i don't know if this is the right word but like kind of chauvinistic where it's like oh so you can be bought and like are kind of weird but that could just be like his emotional immaturity that grows throughout the film those are just my thoughts i i, I don't know if you've got the same reading that like i feel like in drumline like the interactions they had felt a little more like they felt a little more like realistic and they're like oh this is how two people with that have a crush on each other would talk to each other whereas like all the dialogue between, at least initially, between, like, Columbus and Megan were, like, was, like, kind of stilted and a little awkward. But, like, not awkward in, like, the sort of, like, good, like, romancy kind of way. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good read on it. Like, it might have been, like, intentional. It's sorry to say, because, again, I think that is part of his growth that he's going to, like, the relationship. I'll, I'll say I'm definitely more interested in their romance after this point. Especially when it, it just randomly pivots to a thing where her father, who's high up at the university, like does not does not approve of Columbus Shores characters DJ Williams. But then you learn it's because of like a a feud he previously had with like his uncle because they were in a love triangle with uh, DJ's aunt who like picked his uncle and he still holds like some resentment over that. This <laughs> is just a really funny idea to introduce in the last like 20 minutes of your movie. Like, yeah. It's all like, yeah, it's super weird. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the kiss though. Um, I really liked the kiss in this one. I think it was like super duper good. It's like, just like the kiss itself. I think it was like really, really beautiful. I think like they're, there wasn't, like, a insane amount of chemistry between the two, like, romantic leads. But, like, in that scene, like, that all, like, melted away. And I felt like they were super... It was super good in that respect. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, yeah, I remember the kiss being good, though. Uh, refresh, refresh, like, the audience what that scene is, Ben. <laughs> Wait, I, I had to look it up. Because I remember, like, what it was, but I'm trying to remember the surroundings. And it's a dance club. It's It's, like... It's, like, weirdly, like, similar to, like, the, um, the drumline kiss where they're at, like, a party. Um, and, um, it's sort of, like, I think they're, like, at, like, a dance club. And, like, she's there with, like, his, um, her boyfriends. Like, he's there with, like, all of his, like, roommates or, like, his member of, all the members of, like, his, like, uh, stepping or stomp squad. And, like, they just start dancing and then they kiss. And it's just, like, it's not... I want to say that the drumline one's a little better, but, like, this one's pretty good. I really like this one. Yeah, this is a solid kiss, I will say. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, like, it's... Again, it is funny that it's another film that's like, oh, yeah, here's, like, a club, and... Sorry, I was I was just re-watching the kiss. Yeah, this kiss is, like, 
a solid eight out of ten kiss. Like, why don't we just now just watch kisses while we're recording the episode? <laughs> yeah, I think we should, or at least like I think I might try and load them all up before just to refresh us. Because like I feel like um that's kind of like a disadvantage I have of like I think this one I tried to be like a little more ahead of it, but in in, that, in doing that I think I feel like I watched the movies a little too far away from recording. But yeah, um no, this is like a really really solid kiss. There's like a really lovely song playing in the background. It is, it's a it's a top notch one. Yeah, I'm remembering this gets better now, and yeah, it is like one of like the, the definitely like a really nice kiss like elevates the movie to that degree like as yeah but um yeah this movie i think its love story i think has way more like it well absolutely does has way more plot relevance than the one in drumline um whereas like i think i remember like we talked about that and like this that one was definitely more like on top of a story whereas it's more integral to this one um yeah oh we kind of like skimmed over it but like at the beginning um, I think his younger brother, uh, Duran, um, is played by Chris Brown, like, dies during a confrontation after, like, a, like, um, a stepping competition, or, like, not a competition, but, like, sort of, like, a, like, a, a dance battle between, between them. And, like, that's what sort of, like, spring... That's sort of, like, where his, like, motivation to dance, like, for a good chunk of the movie, like, comes from is, like, his brother. Yeah, and I'll admit it, I was a bit relieved that I didn't have to spend the whole movie with Chris Brown. Yeah, I... No, I definitely... I guess to sort of... To speak on, you know, the Chris Brown in the room, yeah, it it's, would have been really, really awkward to see him throughout the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, but instead we get to hang out with Neo. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a thing of, like, R&B stars from that era. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, so this uh, yeah. movie, yeah, again, like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard, like, sort of, like, kind of... I'll say I like the fraternity stuff. Yeah, the fraternity like... stuff is, like, really, really cool. Sort of, like, the rival, like, within the same, like, school. It, requ- it like, it leads to a lot more, like, interesting, like, um like confrontations i think like two of the leaders are like one's like an older brother to the other i'm pretty sure or like there's like some kind of family relationship they have like some sort of like you know like um like sort of confrontation there and like this movie also has like the thing where it's like we're kind of like steal like the the new kids like like moves before the big competition so we can use them um and then speaking of that big competition um, do you remember, like, what each, the dances of, like, the each group? Um, I do not, uh, so if you want to refresh my so memory on that. So, the bad guys, or, like, the, the rival team, their opening thing is, like, a guy dressed as, like, a werewolf howling into the moon, and then a big crate falls from the sky, cracks open, and then all of the other guys, like, start dancing out, which is insane. Like, it's such a weird, and they're, like, and they're all dressed up as, like, werewolves that are also why do i not remember that that sounds great they're like werewolves that are also wearing like military like garb and like don't get me wrong like the dance that the other team does is like kind of cool but like i feel like it doesn't have near as much like presentation and pizzazz as theirs (laughs) 
I guess I guess it does lead I guess the final thing they are like the two finalists so like I can in my own little head canon I can imagine that the judges actually did put them out on top but it was just the top two um yeah and then like the final scene is like them doing like the final like dance battle um I'll be honest like the subtleties of stepping and like what like make what's like this also has like another weird thing that like I feel like a lot of these like sports movies with non-conventional sports have where like I really can't tell the difference between like you know like um you know professional like by the book stepping versus like more free form like I'm not gonna do what you tell me man kind of stepping I really can't parse out the difference between the two um, and that just might be me being um, not engrossed in stepping. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're we're not dance experts here. Um, exactly. We we should have brought on a dancing dancing expert. Yeah, except for the one move. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I also the old school new school thing. I'm like I I don't get what's different here. Um, yeah. And like if any of our fans. Um, do shoot us a dm or an email kind of with a with an explanation of of sort of what makes what like because it's it's one of those things and i feel like it's a problem that like a lot of movies have when they tackle like material that isn't um that is like a little more um i guess like specialized in a way is that like a lot of the nuances are going to be lost on 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 plebs like me and you kenny um and like sort of like the uh the sort of minute details that would um that would separate you know all of all of that it's just i the one thing that kind of gets me is that like i can't i'm trying to imagine like a judge kind of looking at like the dancing they're doing and going like oh like that may have been like a super cool move but it wasn't by the book so i i'm afraid i'm gonna have to give you less points I feel like dance is such a, it's, I guess I'm just, this is just me being an experience of dancing, but dancing to me, like, as much as it is, like, choreographed and stuff like that, I feel like there's, like, kind of in the same way that, um, that jazz is, like, very ordered, there's still improv, improvisational settings, um, like, segments to it, which, like, I don't, I feel like dance would have to be, like, the same way. Yeah, I see what you mean, though. Jazz is famously like pretty improvisational. Um, but... I actually no, I actually I watched stuff on this. Um, I feel like it's like it's like pretty ordered. It's the same way that um, uh, like a lot of like classical or like um, like stuff was the same way that there was like improvisational sections, but like, cons- because like nobody like makes new classical music that you don't really like you don't really see that anymore. But I, I think, I think, I feel like jazz is, like, the same way, where, like, it is very ordered, but there are, like, improvisational sections. Please DM us if we're, if we're both incredibly stupid on it. I only watched, like, one video um, where someone explained it, and I, I, I took... One video, and now you're la la Exactly. Listen, if there's one guy that's going to be an expert on jazz, it's the kissing expert. <laughs> Guess that's true. But, um, yeah... What else is there to say? Yeah, we don't know much about uh, st- stomping or jazz. Um, just, but we know some things about movies and kisses. Yeah. And this is pretty good on both counts. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, like a pretty entertaining movie. It's not really like, it's like in a in a in a year that has like arguably three sports movies, and like I guess we'll we'll talk about Invincible when we get there. But like, um, I feel like this one sort of is. It's sort of, it's kind of upsetting that like it's sort of in a in a year that's sort of um, it's a little bit oversaturated with sort of like, the sort of like, kind of like, rising um, journey of like the guy who's like who everyone's against him in this sport, but, like, he can definitely show his stuff if given the opportunity. I wonder I wonder how this movie would sort of pan out in a year where with a little more um, variety in that respect. Yeah, that's that's true. It would still be, yeah, worse drumline, but, you know, I think it is still, like, pretty yeah. good, and actually I, I might like it more than Invincible, um, if we're ready to talk yeah. about Invincible. Yeah, um, to talk about Invincible, there, uh, so big disclaimer, um, uh, I played football, like, probably from grade 8 to, like, a year after high school, so, like, this movie is borderline, like, cheating um, for my enjoyment of it, um, so take everything I say, I know... I know everybody who listens to this podcast, you know. You were a jock? No wonder you're too cool for school. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, like, I know most people listening to this podcast, you know, understand that, you know, what Kenny says is more of, like, an opinion piece, and what I say is, like, objective law. Um, but this one is going to be heavily biased <laughs> in my in um, in um my favorability towards this movie. Um, even though, I think by the end, I didn't super enjoy this movie, mainly because um, it's based off, like, a true story. So, like, I understand that. This movie sort of ends where, like, most football movies, that's, like, the halfway or, like, one-third point in the movie. Um, most football movies sort of have, like, the, the underdog, like, have their first big triumphant moment, like, right at, like, the halfway point. So, like, the rest of the movie can be about like some other kind of conflict that's been brewing in the background like that being said though like oh my gosh like i am i am still a jock at heart and like this movie just like tugs on every on every jock string it can that's interesting that you point that out because i also have this reason where like like don't get me wrong this film's all right but also in a world where there's so many, like, especially in football, there's so many football movies about the kind of, like, ragtag underdog who's able to, like, push it in. And so, and this one, like, I thought, like, separate from the thing that, like, just when it seems like it's getting going, it's like, oh, hey, the team's starting to turn around. He got a big victory. Then they're like, yeah, it's over now. Here's what else happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Just. Yeah, I, I guess it's like, because it is, like, it is. Like based on um, on uh, Vince, um, I think Papel. Um, like they really wouldn't be like there was not like a like oh and then after this Vince Vince Papel like played against like the uh, the Russian football team with like with like um, like with the Avery Stroganoff the seven foot tall four hundred pound special teams player like there wouldn't have been like a ending part of the movie that would have this like conflict. It sort of just kind of needed to end there because I'm assuming from that point on he probably had like a pretty a pretty standard football career. Yeah, I guess the Eagles like what by the time they win the Super or show up at the Super Bowl, he is like gone from the team. I guess yeah, I guess like the hook of the story is he was just a regular bartender 
who got like a job on the Eagles and then eventually went on to do pretty well. Like, yeah, and like I feel like that's pretty interesting enough. And like this movie has like weird. I don't know if it's weird. Maybe it was. Maybe it's like it doesn't really go anywhere. But like every once in a while, they show like shots of like the um like the workers' strikes. Um, I'm assuming that's like in reference to like actual ones that happened. Um, it doesn't really go anywhere in the movie. It's just sort of like shown every once in a while. And like I guess it is sort of like. Um, acts as like sort of like a fire under the protagonist's ass to like you better do good because like your dad's out of work you're gonna be out of work all your friends are out of work yeah it's yeah it's definitely had some like flavor some interesting backdrop though it's not like getting to new york where eventually that becomes like the movie yeah exactly i was expecting like at some point like it to like play any role but like no this movie kind of kind of comes and goes pretty fast honestly considering like what it is and I, I can appreciate it for that yeah so uh, to give a quick quick summary yeah it's based on the real story of vince Paul. he's like a bartender he's good at pickup football and um he he lives in oh yeah this is one number one of the things i had with this movie it's very brown if that makes sense like just the color palette, like the lighting. I don't yeah, know. look, um, look like, up the poster, and like that's what the movie looks like. Honestly, yeah, it's something where, like, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, so is this a flashback? Because it's in that kind of sepia tinge, like lighting you might use for flashback scenes. I'm like, no, no, this is just what it looks like for so much of it. Like it's, um, but yeah, so he like he lives in his brown world. He's like a bartender. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are have not won a game in several years um well they've won games but they have not uh, they have not been doing well so they hire this guy dick Vermel, who or vermel like something vermeil uh, some guy but he announces they're gonna be holding public tryouts so basically that's the idea any old one could try out for the eagles um this guy's like greg kinnear he's doing like what he does like good in this um so vince is convinced to try out and um oh yeah or uh, initially like he's not gonna do it but he finds out that like his wife has left him yeah she leaves him a note who's like you're not gonna be anything in the world like yeah oh yeah that was such a weird spiteful thing like oh my gosh that was and, like that that sort of comes up later in the movie. Yeah, it feels like it's something that was just kind of in there, so he has, like, some dramatic note to tear up in the end before he goes on to, like, win the big game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, he goes to, like, the... And, like, he's, like, um, I think in this movie, like, he's in his 30s, which is, like, that's, like, pretty old to, like, be playing, like, professional football. Um but yeah, and, like, he goes to, like, these, like, tryouts, and, like, he runs, like, a 4-4, a which is, like, a really, really good time for, like, your 40-meter dash. Um, and he's also, like, but he has, there's, like, a lot of friction between him and, like, the, the, like, the players that have been there for a while because of, like, A, his age, um, B, he's, like, he feels like he's sort of being, like, um, because, like, the coach, despite it, his performance, I think, being, like, number-wise, like, worse than some people. Um, he's being, like, kept on because, like, um, like, um, uh, Dick Vermeil 
like feels like he has heart. So like that creates like a lot of friction between him and like the other players. Yeah, and sorry, this is also like another like trope that's in like football movies. Like I think it's in Rudy too, where like the new guy is like he's making sure that like he's running between drills, like he never takes his helmet off, whereas like some of like the older guys are like, Hey man, I'm tired, I'm gonna walk between drills, I'm gonna take my helmet off and like he's like, Hey, you're making us look bad, you know? And that's like that's absolutely like to a T a thing in like football where like definitely some of like the older, more entitled people feel like ah, I don't really need to like give it 110 percent whereas like some of the newer people um are definitely a little more like keeners about it wow yeah I'm glad you're here with your I played football knowledge because yeah I all I really know about football is what I gleaned from football yeah, movies. yeah um, a lot of football movies like get it right um something that they get like something I didn't I didn't believe um until like I really thought about it is that like and this is not in this movie at all but that like yeah, like people kickers are really like strange, weird dudes. Like every time. Um something that's also weird about this movie <laughs> is that like there's actually not a lot of football in it. It's actually more mo a majority of this movie is just like Mark Wahlberg like in his like town. Yeah, like it's like training camp, but he also still like has his job at the bar that he works at and like he, like, just will leave... He leaves training camp at one point just to go on a date. And you're like, what? Shouldn't he just be at training camp the Yeah, time? and, like, <laughs> I think there's only, like, one or two games that get... Or I guess there's, like, six games that get played. But I don't think he's playing in it. He plays in only a couple of them that we see. It's kind of like... Have you ever heard about the show um, Blue Mountain State? Uh, I've heard the name. I've never, like, seen yeah, it. Yeah, so, like, the thing about that show is that it's like a football show you don't see them play football until, like, the last episode. Um, it's mostly just, like, oh, like a college show, I would say, more. Like, there's, like, football players and, like, there's, like, football tropes. Um, but, like, you don't see them actually, like, playing any football in any of the episodes until, like, the last episode. So that's, like, a really strange, strange thing. So it's not like a Friday Night Lights thing, um... Very good football show, by the way. Um, that's the... Yeah, like, um, I guess to sort of, like, kind of bring it in on the kiss is that, like, at some point in the movie, um, they're introduced um, to uh, Jeanette uh, Cantrell. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, played by Elizabeth... Janet? Janet? Did I say did I said Jeanette? That's a way of pronouncing yeah. it, maybe. Um, played by Elizabeth... <laughs> It's literally spelled Janet. <laughs> Played by Elizabeth Banks, um, who's like a Giants hey, fan. Hey, figured out how to pronounce like, Elizabeth Oh, like there's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, they sort of meet, and she's like, she starts like bartending with him, and like she's a Giants fan, and like there's a lot of like Giants versus Eagles rivalry. But like they end up like sharing like the kiss, which is like, it starts out like kind of a bit yikesy. Where, like, he, like, goes in on it, like, really, really fast. And, like, she's, like, I think she, like, kind of goes, like, ah, oh, like, no, or, like, something. Like, yeah, I'm making it sound bad. <laughs> um, and it, I guess it kind of is. Um, or And then she's, like, wait, don't stop. And then they have, like, a big kiss, kissing, kissing fit, I would say. Definitely not the most yikesy on this list by far. Or, I guess, by near. Um... But still, worth saying, I would say. Yeah, because it's also like a thing where like they have a friendship. Uh, 
he takes her on a date, but then he's like, he tells her, he's like, look, I don't think I'm ready to start a new relationship. I need to try my best to, like, make the team. And she's like, and then she's like, I didn't know this was a date. And then, like, she goes back to work, and it's just this kind of awkward encounter. And then, yeah, like, later on, like, he, he shows up. It's kind of, he's, yeah, because the kiss is late, right? Like, he's lost the games. He's, like, he has to play pick up football in the rain to like get his yeah i think i think it's right after that scene where like he's playing in like the rainy mud with like all of his friends yeah but then he runs into her later and then they like kiss and it's like hmm yeah because as you say ben like she like explicitly says she does not want the kiss which we're still a while away from people like fully i think understanding that part of consent where like no means no is around but maybe people are like well that doesn't apply to all agrees yeah, right it, like, it's one of those things it kind of plays into that like sort of um that sort of like james bond-esque like like oh like her mouth says no but her eyes say yes and if you just if you keep doing it like eventually like they'll they'll reveal their actual feelings which like i get honestly like could probably be even more problematic than like a a actual like bad kiss because at least like an actual bad kiss like the one in uh in Hannibal, like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's a bad kiss. Whereas this one sort of, like, rewards the protagonist for, like, being, like, really persistent about it. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, though. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, by the end, she definitely is kissing back, and it is, like, consensual by the end, but it's, like, yeah. ooh, definitely yikes. There, the there's start. a universe where I defend that this is more, probably even more problematic than the little man kiss. I don't know if I will make that case today, but... <laughs> Um, I'm going to say Little Man Kiss is absolutely worse. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, so after that kiss, this movie sort of ends. So, um, a little bit of, like, football background. Um, when you're, like, unless your team is, like, really short on players or you're really exceptional, um, whether it's, like, NFL, CFL, or even, like, college or, um, or juniors, which is, like, college football but you're not attached to a college um if you're like a new player you're going to be on special teams and what special teams is is that's that's kickoff that's like kick receive and that's punting and that's like punt receive and then also like field goal as well as well as field goal defense um and this is what he ends up playing um i mean it sort of the end of the movie is like this sort of um i think it's during like a um a like punt they have where he like, gets kicked and then the guy that like just catches it like fumbles it because he gets hit by Mark Wahlberg and then Mark Wahlberg picks it up for like a touchdown and it's in like a really really close game where like nobody can make mistakes yeah thank yeah. you for that explanation on what special teams <laughs> is because it's like oh, yeah yeah exactly this? it's essentially like everything that isn't like offense or defense it's sort of like the little like n- like uh little parts of like the football game that are in between like the meat of it um this movie kind of like okay it's kind of the has like the polar opposite stakes of like a movie like rudy um for those of you who don't know like the ending of rudy it's a game where like they're up literally like 40 points so they just let rudy like in a do a play that wouldn't matter at all where he ends up getting the touchdown but like it also just wouldn't matter 
<laughs> like even if the defense played perfectly, like they're up forty points, like they're not going to be able to score enough. Even if it like fumbled and they got a touchdown, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> uh, but I always think that's a really funny little thing about Rudy. Yeah, but this one, yeah, you know, it's a classic sports thing. Oh, hey, he made the uh, he made the big like thing to win it, but it's it's good. Like I think the football action again, we don't get a lot of it, but what we do see is like pretty good. Like it's. Oh yeah, I, I super enjoy the football that we do see. Especially, I, I also really enjoy like the the football they're playing like in the mud in the rain with like just like his like friends. Yeah, that stuff is good too. Even though again, incredibly brown, like looking. Though that at least is the excuse of oh the mud. Yeah, exactly. Listen, sometimes football is just brown. You know, that's sometimes what it feels like. Not Canadian football. Canadian football is like often like very snowy. Um, I am now looking at. The Wikipedia thing differences from the true story. So it's because in the reality, he did have football experience. He like played for some. Yeah, he played for like some minor, minor. Well, before he was like semi pro and stuff. But he played like semi pro football with like the Aston Green Knights and like there with Philadelphia Bell. So it wasn't like he was like some true like you know some nobody. But he was still was. Again, as you said, pretty old to be, like, on an NFL team, and, like, you know, maybe it just juices, it's more, it's cleaner if he's just the bar. Yeah, it's a, it's a little less, like, team. messy if, like, he's, like, this, yeah, it's, like, a little less messy if, like, he's, like, sort of, like, a true, true and blue underdog. Yeah. All, yeah. Also, his, apparently... Oh, his first love wife did leave him and left him a similar note, but this happened five years before the events of the movie. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? That's actually pretty... Okay, you know what? That's that's pretty good, then. I'm, I'm glad they get... That helps the Yeah, note. they can keep yeah. it in. That is... That's insane. That's really petty and weird. Um, but I, I am... It being in the movie is much less strange that it's more like... It's them being historically accurate to the best of their ability. Yeah, I mean, this happened five years before, but also, and then, this is funny, it says the movie portrays Vince meeting Janet before the tryouts in real life, but yeah, Papali dated and married his second wife, Sandy, during the movie's time frame. He was divorced and met Janet after his Eagles career, and they married in 93. So literally, they're like, well, let's just have them do the romance <laughs> that did stick. Uh, it's like, uh... It's like Hamilton in that way, you know? They're moving around things to make it the most dramatically interesting. Oh, and... Oh, okay, so they would just make a bunch of stuff out. Like, he... Yeah, he got onto, like, I think the Bell... Yeah, the Bell team. Like, Philadelphia Bell threw an open tryout. But it was definitely, like, a private tryout that he got onto the Eagles. And in real life, the Eagles... That game was not as close as it was, but... He did have a fumble recovery, but it did not count under NFL rules at the time. <laughs> but it was still considered a key play in the victory. <laughs> so literally, this is just, they made a bunch they of just stuff made it up. more fun. You know what? That's yeah. fine. And I hope we did not break the illusion for anyone on Invincible by me just reading all the... Also, this should not be confused with the Amazon cartoon Invincible. Yeah, exactly. Um, a much, much more different experience, I would say. But yeah. I don't really have much else to say about Invincible, honestly. It's as regardless of everything I said, um, this might have been the movie that I, um, at least up until um, 
Talladega Nights, the movie that I had the most like fun with, purely based on like bias, a hundred percent. I think like as a movie, it is not as good as other ones on this list. Yeah, but... you jocks got to stick. <laughs> exactly, but just like it's a football movie is like it's just cheating. It's like honestly just cheating. Like it's not even fair. Um, like I'm never gonna give like a fair a fair overview of those kinds of movies. At least not when I'm watching them. Like I'm always gonna be high on the high on the uh the friday night lights you know yeah and that's yeah. fine um i wish i had something more to say about this so we didn't have to go on to talk about <laughs> little man, man. <laughs> i so i'm trying to you're much anticipated i think this can't be true but I feel like I watched this movie on, like, YTV. I feel like that's actually impossible. There's no way. It would have had to have been an insanely edited down That would film. make sense. Like, Absolutely. But, like, yeah. So, like, this movie is not good. Um, I really wanted it to be. It's, like, an insane premise that... I feel like maybe like could have worked, but I don't know how. Um, on its face, it sounds like a movie that um, sounds horrible, but is actually amazing. This movie sounds horrible and is horrible. Um, the premise is that there is a um, little person uh, who's like a jewel thief. Um, who pretends to be a baby when he accidentally or like his partner like stashes a diamond in someone's like purse it has moment it's like i would say the closest genre i could probably put this in is like absurdist comedy but it just doesn't oh it's certainly absurdist yeah yeah but i would say that its biggest weakness is that it doesn't lean into it as much as it probably should have. Um, or it leans into it in all the wrong scenes. Like, including the kiss. <laughs> I think movies like... Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll, yeah, you go. Yeah. Sorry, you can't get back. But uh, I will say... I did not realize going into this that he was going to be p pretending to be a literal baby. Um, maybe if the idea was he was playing, like, he was pretending to be a child who could talk and was a bit more, like, independent and things. Maybe that would be slightly better than this, uh, but then you couldn't do... Uh, bits like Sean Wayans going, oh yeah, now we can fart in the tub and make bubbles, baby. Just <laughs> just like I, uh, I guess to put on, you know, with every movie, I feel like there's a way that I could have, I could have made it better, you know, or at least more enjoyable for me, um, because like this movie has something 
it's not entirely like devoid of anything it has like a few funny jokes but as i'm saying that i don't really i can't really think of any um it has our uh second um 30 rock rep uh tracy morgan who like he's pretty funny like he's, he's just sort of like um like the way he just sort of like he's he's one of those actors that's just like pretty like naturally charismatically funny i would say and that just like the way he like delivers yeah, lines and like is is just really funny yeah tracy morgan's always like funny i well, he showed up i'm like oh maybe this is good like he did a bit where he's like look at check out my new beat and it's just candy shop except he like changes it to butcher shop <laughs> okay that's a joke that i remember finding really funny and like that's i definitely was like going into this like oh yeah maybe this movie is gonna be really good but like that is definitely like those kinds of jokes i feel like is where this movie peaks and then i feel like the kisses and like some of the jokes is where it valleys yeah um definitely i think even if you removed like the kiss scene and then one other very specific joke in this maybe i like a little bit more but like there is just full on like i should say this is probably a disqualification from best kiss because it is absolutely like an assault basically um yeah so like a bunch of um sean wayne's characters and carrie washington's characters friends that also have like babies um or like children are over and like they're about to leave um and then one of their friends played by um played by Brittany daniel um who's like playing kind of like this like a little bit of like a, a ditzy bimbo in like a little way um she has, she has like two scenes but like i think that would probably be like an apt way of like describing what they were going for with this with this character um she's like oh like like she's like giving like the babies like a kiss on like the head and then like Marlon Brando's character like does like the baby like hand gesture towards like the like upsy upsy kind of thing and then he like uh Marlon Wayans not Marlon Brando if Marlon Brando was in this role it would (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh um yeah honestly if this was Marlon Brando and the rest was the same, better yeah, I would say, still, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, he like gives it like a full like tongue makeout. It's like really creepy and weird. It's just like, eh, it is by far the most yikesy ever. Um, and it's like, and you see that scene, you go like, oh my gosh, like. E, they're they're getting they're getting a bit uh, a bit edgy. They're getting a bit flirtatious with the with the kind of jokes they're getting here. They're they're playing a little too close. I hope I hope there's not a joke like two minutes later that's significantly worse. <laughs> I thought it was more than two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> two minutes later, there's a joke where like um where uh uh what should I call it um. Sean Sean Wayans and Carrie Washington like have like sex that night and then it's the morning and like Carrie Washington's like oh that's great like I don't think we've ever done it twice and then Sean is like twice and he's kind of confused and then it's revealed that like uh, Marlo Marlon is just like under the covers like hugging Carrie Washington like after the night so like 
really uh, bad implications there. It's definitely like it's it's. You said Brando. Oh, did again. I say it? Damn it! I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Marlon Brando. You you were not associated <laughs> with the little man. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say Marlon from now on. Um, but like it's one of these things where like it skirts the line so much that it's it almost comes or back around to probably being like the most tasteless way you can do this kind of joke like i'm not sure if you are you familiar with um it's always sunny in philadelphia yes yeah there's like that one joke like you know like the joke like the implication joke mm-hmm. oh yes, that, the implication. yeah that is like that's like a rape joke um and it it like but that one i feel like is infinitely like more tasteful than this one (laughs) like because i feel like this one like skirts the line so much and like there's no real like this joke doesn't have like a villain when it really should it's it's more it's treated with such like um with such like irreverence whereas like a a arguably like more like quote-unquote like messed up joke like the implication joke in sunny always sunny in philadelphia is like way more like proper in that like the joke is is pointing its finger at the correct person whereas this one i don't know where the finger is i don't know where the finger was it's just so ew and like ah. I'm trying, like, I can't even fathom, like, a way they could have pulled off a joke like this that wouldn't have ended up being, like, really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, really, they just should not have done that. Like, it's... Yeah. Even as, like, an edgy kind of joke, it's just not funny. It, like, doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, that's, like, it's... the main thing, is that, like, I think I think everyone's um, guilty of this to a certain degree. Um, I feel like I'm... I try not to be like this but i feel like a lot of people like engage in like a lot of like post hoc rationalization where like i feel like a lot of people if a joke is funny enough they'll sort of work back from that if it's appropriate um sometimes like i i try my best to like i'll, I'll totally bite the bullet on there are jokes that i enjoy that are definitely like not okay or like not appropriate like some of the jokes in like start skiing hutch I think we're hilarious, but are probably not that good. And like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably defend them um, of like being like, oh, this joke is totally okay. Um, but I think this is one of the ones where like, I wonder even if it was like, if it was funny, I wonder if then it would be like justified. Even if like, let's say like the content of the joke was still like the exact same, but like the delivery was hilarious. Like, I don't even know if that would make it better. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I think it's safe to say that, like, I would not like this in any context, so I do get the thing where I'm like, oh man, this is bad, but, I, you know, it's kind of funny, there's a laugh here, but, yeah, um, not enough laughs to be had in Little Man. Um, no, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, I'm starting to realize that every movie I watched as a kid, with the exception of Cat in the Hat, was, like, horribly unfunny. Um, I still, I maybe... We're not going to get into a cat in the hat fight on Mike. Um, I wonder if, uh, I need to watch, um, Snow Dogs. I wonder if Snow Dogs is still funny. Um, because there's one joke in Snow Dogs that I really like. Where it's like, there's like a, there's like a guy near the beginning of the movie that says like, 
um, like, oh, to gain the dog's respect, you have to bite their ear. And then, like, later in the movie, um, one second. Are you looking up the joke from Snow Dogs? No, I know the joke. I just want to know who's the, who was, like, the main guy from it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, and then, like, later in the movie, um, uh, uh, Cuba Gooden Jr., um, like, bites one of the dog's ears. And then, like, it works. Like, they all respect him after that. And he, like, tells, like, the guy after. And he goes, like, oh, I was just, like, messing with you. Like, that wasn't serious. <laughs> and it's 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 a it's a really good payoff delivery. I wonder if any of that movie is like that. Uh, yeah. Um, at the very least, it should be better than Snow Buddies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was, this, there was a time where, like, animal movies were, like, coming out every other day. Um, but back to Little Man. Yeah. Back to Little Man. We just we'll do everything we can not to talk about Little Man. Yeah, I'll say something I've noticed is apparently the Wikipedia article and checking the edit history. It's a recurring thing where uh, right now it has a very like typical plot summary. But when I was watching the movie and consulting, it was an extremely extended one, which was essentially a scene by scene like beat down breakdown <laughs> of everything that happens in the movie. Oh no, they took down my edit. <laughs> Yeah, and then they keep like rever- oh. reverting and like trying, trying to put put it back like it's, and then. Oh yeah, but. Like just checking the history, there's something that's like removed excessively lengthy plot that was brought back from this article's history, and then someone brought <laughs> back the like lengthy article saying, tags possible vandalism, large oh. Maybe that was later than someone else that called it possible vandalism, but someone just keeps trying to bring back this, like, version of the plot that does, that does the bits where it's like, Calvin has just been released from prison. They open the door of the prison to reveal him to be a midget. His accomplice, wannabe rapper Percy. As as, a close, as opposed to, like, the actual one that's Calvin Babyface Sims is, like, uh, and then it has some, you know, the link to thing for, like, dwarfism. Oh, yeah, apologies for using a ter- term. I, I know I was just reading from the thing that is um, no longer in vogue for describing dwarfism. Um, he is, but basically, he's seen getting released and meeting with his goof- goofball cohort, Percy. So, like, just that difference in level of detail that like, goes into, like... Yeah, and I think it's really funny that someone cares about the plot a little man enough. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, they just else? wanted to make oh, yeah, the Wikipedia. Oh, sorry, they just wanted to make the Wikipedia like so extensive that you don't actually have to actually watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that is the ca- case there. Um, there. What else? Oh yeah, there's the thing because. Oh, yeah, because the whole thing is, like, he shows up on their doorstep, and it's something where, like, Sean, Sean Wayans and Kerry Washington, their conflict is, like, he he wants to have a baby, and she, like, is more career-focused, and they set it up to make it look like this is going to be a big, like, part of the film, but it's not really. Like, they bring up, they're like, oh, you're so career-driven. She's like, uh, but she's also pretty into taking care of this baby for what's initially going to just be, like, the weekend. Oh, yeah, and there's also, like, a, a weird scene not weird it's definitely like a strange take where like i feel like if this came out like if this sorry this scene 
if this scene came out like nowadays, I feel like there would be a little bit of merit to it. But there's like, this like weird scene where like one of like the the friends of like Carrie Washington's character like starts talking to her about like, yeah, I thought I was a career lady too until like I had a kid and like I realized that like this is kind of what I wanted to do with my life. Or like, like, I guess now maybe that would be like a pretty okay message considering that there seems to be like a pretty good um sort of like rejection of like um like sort of like i guess like not rejection but like there seems sometimes to even be not necessarily always the case but like sort of this like vilification a little bit of like just wanting to be like a stay-at-home mom whereas like you're seen as like oh you're just like you're just following perfectly into like your gender roles like oh come on but like and i feel like so like now there might be like a little bit of merit to like a scene like that where it's like hey it's actually, like, okay just to be, like, a stay-at-home mom. But, like, at the time, it feels like it's this, like, really weird thing where it's, like, trying to be, like, hey, ladies out there, you don't actually want to be in STEM. You want to be a mom. Yeah, I think you're right. It would play a bit better in that, like, you know. Yeah. And they would also have something that shows that both paths are valid. Exactly. Like, on, like, yeah, you know. there, there, could, there should have been, like, I, if, again, when I put on my little, uh, my little director's cap, um, I would have probably like replaced um, um, the other the uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Brittany Daniels character with like maybe somebody who is like a really like um, sort of like sort of career like driven person like um, I guess like a weird parallel is like um, you you've seen all of BoJack Horseman right Yeah Yeah like a character like Princess Carolyn is such like a a nice i i can't remember if you if you really like that character i I feel like i've talked to somebody who like doesn't really like or is like kind of like eh okay perfect i try i remember i think i talked to somebody that was like carolyn's the best okay perfect maybe it was a youtube video i watched maybe it wasn't even a real person um but like she's like a really good like demonstration of like how these two these two sort of uh schools of thought or like two kinds of people can like merge into one that complement each other um, in a really like nice way yeah i would yeah definitely like that's the ideal there um and maybe that's like asking too much for this film but eh, it's our podcast we can do what we want yeah it might have been... exactly listen we believe you know we're a very um anti-determinist podcast we believe that with your own means anybody can achieve greatness <laughs> Um, even a movie like Little Man could be incredibly nuanced and hilarious if it, oh. um, if it... Oh, we're against <laughs> determinism now? <laughs> Listen, um, I think the best term would probably be, uh, I think the word is compatibilism, where we do believe that there is a sense of, like, determination to the world, but there are minute details that we do have control over that we do change. It's essentially a merging of, um... Of two of two beliefs. Sure, I'm glad we've <laughs> come back to this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What else is there to say about Little Man? I mean, probably a lot. But how much do we want to say about Little Man? Yeah, essentially, like the movie ends with like a big confrontation with like a mob boss. There's like a goofy fight scene where like the baby, like the little man, is like kicking all their butts. And, it, like, the the main villain doesn't know that who he is. He just thinks it's a baby. Um, 
Which is weird, because, like, they're acquaintances. Like, yeah, like, they know each other. And, like, also, like, I can't stress this enough, he doesn't look like a baby at all. Yeah, like, there's a <laughs> joke where they bring him to the doctors, and the guy's like, oh, he has tattoos and the teeth of a 40-year-old man. And they're like, well, who'd give tattoos to a baby? Or, like, be surprised. Like, they also, of course, do a baby <laughs> has a big penis joke. Um, yep. Oh, man. It's... Ay, ay, ay. He has a rivalry with an old man, John Witherspoon. I... If I were to give this movie anything, I love that. I wish most of the movie was that. Honestly, like, that's super funny to me. Yeah. I really liked all... I think, um... Oh, go on, sorry. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, John Witherspoon is, like, giving, like, a really, really fun performance in this one. Yeah, at one point he, like, holds up a gun, and the guy is just like, why are you holding a gun at a baby? So he was on the phone, he's like, it's a baby. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he has, like, a big double-barreled shotgun. This movie swings a lot, and misses a lot, I would say. Um, and it ends on a Brokeback Mountain reference. <laughs> Wait, what? Does it? You brought this up. Like he's, yeah, it he's like, does. This ain't, it... this ain't broke back mountain. <laughs> yeah, well, I like... was just saying because, like, it was partly because, like, it ends with the implication they're never going to see each other again. But then they're like, wait, no, we can just hang out and go for, like, a beer. Like, it's... Yeah, exactly. He becomes, like, a uh, a family, like, friend. To... And, this, and the movie, I guess, like, ends on, like, a cut of, like, the new baby that was born that just has Sean Wayne's face just superimposed on it. It's just, uh, you know, little man, little man, much like, um, it's kind of like that scene in Invincible, you know, where the coach is like, I put my neck out for you, you know, and little man, you, you, uh, you disappointed. I was expecting you to be a, a stolen diamond in the rough, you know, but you ended up being a regular diamond in a, in a baby's diaper. Um, oh, a couple of things I've seen. I checked production Wikipedia to just confirm, yeah, the scenes of Calvin, like, the Mar Marlon Wayans character was, they had kind of, uh, yeah, they had a nine-year-old dwarf actor, Lyndon Porco, kind of do this stuff, and then they filmed it again with Marlon Wayans alone and using a blue screen, and then they just kind of, yeah, superimpose or switch the faces, also, this actor, they painted his body brown so it wouldn't mar match Marlon's face. Um, that's... Uh, a little... That every every new thing you learn about Little Man is just... It's never good news, you know? It's... <laughs> also, this uh, is based on... The, they got the idea from an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> See, what you're saying is that Little Man could show up in the next Space Jam. Hey, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, what? <laughs> I think we've talked about this enough, and we can just move on and rank the rank the movies. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you know it's not super surprising. Um, I think at the bottom of my movie list would be Little Man. Um, I think right above that would be um, Stomp the Yard. Um, and then above that would be Invincible. But honestly, I feel like if I'm being a little more honest, I feel like that would probably be switched. Because, like, when I think about Invincible and I think about, like, the things that happened, it's like, 
not a lot happened and it's kind of boring but like i think i think of in high school i did um i did stepping or stomping um instead of football this order would be completely reversed um and i think above that i would probably have the holiday um and then talladega nights it's a classic um i'm glad this year you know had like some pretty good movies a really bad movie and like just an excellent like classic movie yeah this was like again a pretty solid year and i believe mine are like sim similar on the thing yeah little man uh at the bottom definitely uh one of the worst movies we've covered for this thing though still probably has the edge over like electra or something like that. yeah I-, I would agree yeah but then yeah in- then invincible like you know it's Stuff I like, just if I were to want to watch like a classic football movie, it would not be my first pick. Um, then Stomp the Yard, some good stomping going on, even if we did not get the nuances of that. Then The Holiday, and then, yeah, gotta go with Talladega Nights for like that first spot. Like, you know, it, if you're not for if you ain't first, you're not necessarily gonna be last, but in this case, it is first, so. <laughs> yeah um yeah and then for my kisses uh disqualified of course would be little man and then um at the bottom uh almost uh disqualified almost would be the invincible one um it's like not a bad kiss but it just it starts out so yikesy and it just it just makes you uncomfortable like um yeah and then um above that i would have like the holiday kiss itself um good movie good romance kiss especially the one being judged is like a little bit more understated and then um then my top one would be of course the talladega nights one with the stomp one being like right below it um i think the kiss itself was like a really nice scene um even if the romance in that movie like was possibly intentionally a little bit um stilted and stiff um but yeah, and then, yeah, of course, Talladega Nights, like, uh, Pat Benatar's We Belong playing. It's, it's just, it's just great. It's a great kiss. It's iconic. It's, like, if you remember, it's one of, like, probably the 20 iconic things in that movie. Yeah, and, yeah, again, once again, I think I could go the same way. This is really just a good classic Kenny and Ben are on, in sync on most of these, like, episode here so yeah uh yeah of the ones not disqualified in invincible at the bottom and then just like yeah the holidays i'm like good just some good solid kisses and stomp the yard like you know it's not as good as drumline but like the romance kind of does a bit better for as you said being more integral and then yeah tell tell a day nights like will ferrell sasha baron baron cohen they're kissing, it comes at the end of, like, a, again, it's, if you've never seen Talladega Nights, it is hard to understate how funny it is when they just start racing to, like, the finish line on foot. It's so good. It's, like, it's, it's, like, not only good, it's, like, it's, like, triumphant, it's, like, it's epic, is what it is. It's just, it's such a, it's not only is it funny, but it's, like, really, really good. It's such a, it's, it, it works on, like, a sp- yeah, it works on, like, a sports movie level, too, where it's, like, it actually is, like, this really, like, as goofy as it looks, it's, like, 
it's like an incredibly empowering scene. Yeah, and then the kiss is like a really good thing of of growth. Yeah, and even if you know they walk back, something like wrote by like Sasha Baron Cohen like leans in again. He's like, no, no, once was good, once was good. I just uh... but yeah, with that, um, I guess we're on to recommendation of the week. Yep. Um. Okay. Yeah, I can go first. So, um, I have I guess two. Um, because I just thought of one while we were talking. Um, so I was talking about like the snow dogs and the animal movies. Um, I would recommend everyone out there go and watch um, Ed. Uh, it's a movie about a monkey that plays baseball. Um, I usually I much prefer it when it's like an actual monkey, but this is actually a guy in a monkey suit. But it's really funny. Um, I think it does a really good job. Um, yeah, I just really enjoy that movie. That is a, a shockingly great movie. Um, and then the other one, I think early in the podcast, I talked about uh, the PlayStation State of Play. Um, one of those things they announced was the sequel to the PS4 God of War. So I'm going to be recommending the PS4 God of War. I really enjoyed it. It's like a really good like father-son story. Yep, Christopher Judge. His voice is astounding. It is, it is like, it's like melted butter. It is amazing. Um, yeah, great father-son story. Um, pretty fun, pretty fun game. You have like an axe that works like Thor's hammer where you throw it and you can call it back. It's really fun. Oh, well, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, oh. For me, I got, um, hmm, trying to think. Uh, yeah, there's, we've mentioned a couple of things during the week, huh? We've, we've recorded, so this is definitely going to be out of date, but, um, John Mulaney, beloved comedian, has been in the news, uh, for some, some things, like new relationship, um, a lot of weird parasocial stuff, but he was on Seth Meyers this week. And he did a really lovely, really, like, lengthy interview where he gets very candid about, like, his sobriety and, like, his interventions and kind of just... uh, It's on YouTube. I think it's all, like, John Mulaney talks to stuff about his, like, great wild year or something like that. It's... Yeah. And it is just, like, it's funny. It's... Even when they're talking about, like, serious subjects and stuff, it's... It's, like, funny, and I think, like, it really, like, you know, if, like, like, I love Joe Mulaney, he's, like, a favorite comedian of mine, like, can find a lot of his specials on Netflix, those are good, too, and, yeah, this is a thing where it's just really nice to see him doing well. Oh, okay, the video's called John Mulaney Tells Seth About His Eventful Year, and, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. And I'll flip the script on you. Uh, what do you have to plug? Ooh, wow. Look at this, flipping the script. So, cool. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at, at Like a Wolverine. Um, and, yeah, I think that's all I plug on the personal level. So, let's flip back to you. Yeah, um, I, you can find me on Twitter at uh, FutAlbi, that's F-U-T underscore A-L-B-E. 
You can also find me on Instagram at not2pens, that is N-O-T underscore two underscore P-E-N-S. Yeah. Um, I always make sure, whenever I'm watching one of the movies, um, I always try to, if I ever find like a really funny scene, I'll try and find like a gif of it. So when I when I retweet the the podcast Twitter, I always have like a really funny gif to go along with it. I think I'm gonna use um I think for I guess to date this episode, I think the next one coming out has Sin City in it. Um and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put that gif of um Michael Clark Duncan like smacking that lady in the chair and it just goes completely horizontal in the air for a moment. And then there's, the, I think I have another gif where I put it in reverse where it looks like he's like mind tricking the chair back. <laughs> yeah, it's a good gif. Cool. So our theme song is by Matt Samard. Um, don't got a Matt thing this week. It's a cool guy. Uh, ben did the art. We're hosted on Friendly Mush. I don't always talk about them. They have some other cool podcasts you can listen to there they let us host for free which is really nice you can find us on twitter at gold popcorn pod you can email us at pass popcorn at gmail.com if you have uh thoughts or disagreements or want to explain to us how stomping works and with that all we got to do is talk about next week in 2008 so for 2008 the best kiss the nominees are amy adams and patrick dempsey enchanted shia labeouf and sarah romer disturbia elliot page and michael sarah juno daniel radcliffe and katie lung lung i think uh, harry potter and the order of the phoenix and the winner brianna evagon and robert hoffman Step Up 2, The Streets. I have never seen any of the Step Up movies. Um, it better be like... Oh, maybe it won't be. I hope it's a good kiss, because like... Maybe the other kisses are just not so great, and I'm just not remembering them. Um, I can't wait to watch Enchanted again. I remember really liking Enchanted when I watched it. Hopefully I'd, hopefully, I, that memory is correct. Yeah, Enchanted is delightful, I will say. Yeah. Um, also, this, I don't know if this is the year that, like, Disaster Movie came out. Because, like, Disaster Movie, um, in the same vein as, like, Meet the Spartans and, like, Epic Movie, um, parodied both Enchanted and Juno. But it also parodied Wanted, so I guess it came out, like, way later. Um, and when I say parody, I mean that, like, two of, like, the main protagonists in that movie that, like, follow you throughout the story, one of them is, like... I don't even know if it's really a parody. I think it's just, like, supposed to be the character from Enchanted, and then it's, like, the character Juno. They call her Junie in Disaster. Oh. I, yeah, wow, I'm shocked you have that lore. <laughs> um, oh, Wanted was 2008. So, yeah, it's... Hmm. So, yeah, it... Oh, yeah, because they based stuff on trailers. It was released on August 29th, 2008. It is considered to be one of the worst films of all time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh man, I wish Master of Disguise was on this list. I might just have to watch that one of my own volition if we're if we're talking about what are possibly like the worst movies ever. Oh man. But um, yeah. Uh, we won't keep you listeners any longer. You guys have a wonderful day.
yeah, you keep passing that golden popcorn and, you know, remember, if a baby has the teeth of a 40-year-old man, maybe they're a 40-year-old man. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And remember, if you're not first, you are anywhere from second to last. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello. Um, end of editing Ben here. Um, when I thought that uh, Clark Duncan was reading Little Women, I was actually thinking of this clip from The Simpsons where Moe is reading it, and I will play that now. And then they realized they were no longer little girls. They were little women.